0: not having a heart and a head for the Lord and what we need to do, which is repent and believe. We're supposed to die to ourselves so we can be born again in Christ. I mean, Galatians 2.20 is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's the thing is that the gospel is threatening to the unbeliever. That's why it starts with repentance because we're so unbelievably aware of our sinful nature.
1: Outstanding is a production of The Washington Stand, where you can find news and commentary
2: from a biblical worldview.
1: Welcome to Outstanding, where we discuss the news of the day and the ideas that shape us from a Christian worldview. I'm your host, Joseph Backholm, and today we are going to talk about Generation Z, also known as Gen Z, or apparently some people call it iGen. The generation that was born between 1997 and 2012, and for context of how old I am, I was graduating high school in 1997 when all of these whippersnappers were born. (laughs) They are the first generation to grow up with the internet and social media. They are known for being tech savvy, socially conscious, and entrepreneurial, but they are also facing some very unique challenges. Gen Z is facing a mental health crisis. A 2020 survey by the American Psychological Association found that 74% of Gen Zers reported feeling overwhelmed or anxious, and a full 54% reported feeling hopeless or depressed. Now, these rates are significantly higher than previous generations. In addition, Gen Z is the least religious generation in American history. According to a 2022 survey by Pew, 34% of Gen Zers identify as religiously unaffiliated. That's compared to 29% of millennials and 25% of Gen X and 18% of baby boomers. What does it all mean? Do they not like the gospel or do they not like the way it's being presented? Well, here to discuss all of it with me are two members of Gen Z who also happen to be a couple of FRC's finest interns this summer, Bailey McClafferty and Sarah Holliday. Ladies, welcome to Outstanding. Hey, thank you for having us. Well, we're glad to have you. This is a valuable uh, perspective we old fogies are going to enjoy getting from you. But before we get into kind of your thoughts on your generation, uh, need a little bit about uh, who you guys are. Introduce yourselves to the audience. Uh, Bailey, why don't you go first?
2: All right. Hey, everyone. My name is Bailey and I'm from St. Augustine, Florida. And I just finished up my junior year at Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm studying journalism and mass communications. Um, And this summer I'm interning here. It's been so much fun and I'm loving it. And I'm in the brand advancement department. So writing for the Washington stand and just helping out in that area. So it's been fun.
1: Great to have you. And Sarah, go ahead.
0: Hi, I'm Sarah. Um, It's kind of a running joke with people who know me that I'm not really (laughs) from anywhere. I grew up military. Uh, Both my parents were in the Air Force for a time. My dad served for a while. And I was in Florida the last year uh, getting a certificate in theology after completing my undergrad at Boise State University in Creative Writing and Art of Arts. I'm working alongside Bailey with uh, Washington Stand and Brand Advancement. That's been so fun, especially since I told myself I'd never be a journalist, so, (laughs) but now I love it. So here we are. And now you're
1: writing and (laughs) and people can uh, see what you've done most recently at WashingtonStand.com. But ladies, we're gonna talk about Gen Z and before we kind of get into the issues, Um, do you guys see yourself as members of a generation do Gen Zers like talk about what it means to be Gen Z and how people perceive you or are you just generally just living your life kind of as an individual and your family and and, Mm -hmm. and not thinking about that
0: you know that's a great question and one that I think I have a multifaceted answer to I think mostly I've tried to always just identify myself as a child of God even if that sounds cliche but a lot of things societally are seem to be deemed by trends, and those are fleeting and ever-changing. Um, with Gen Z, it seems like most people, when they think about Gen Z, they think about the boisterous activist side of Gen Z that is only, like... That is takes up most of it, which is the non religious part of Gen Z that, you know, is very worldly, and um, what they believe and what they want other people to believe. And if that's what people yeah. think of, then no, I don't like yeah. to think about myself that way. But Um, do you
1: agree with the stereotype of boisterous activist? Is that what (laughs) Gen Z is? Well, I
0: think it's hard because the boisterous ones are the ones that everybody thinks of because they're boisterous. But what I've found as I've explored other areas, like in Florida, I was at a Bible college, pretty small, but everybody there is a firm believer of God and most of them are a part of Gen Z and you would not find that stereotypical Gen Z person there. You just wouldn't. That's probably... I I think Bible college probably slicks out the boisterous (laughs) activist type in some ways, right? Right, right. Exactly. Definitely. And even at Boise State, it was a lot larger, but I I seem to find a lot of people who didn't agree with that Gen Z stereotype either, so...
1: So do you think that that is like a function? I mean, the extremes are always kind of they're the loudest and getting the most attention. Right. We think about that politically often that the far left and the far right kind of define the the conversation because they're the ones loudest about it. Is that what's going on with Gen Z as well? Like most of you guys are actually quite normal and not necessarily activists, but the activists are getting the attention.
2: That could be the case. Um, I think as a whole, at least in my experience most gen z people that i surround myself with we don't really like talk about it like as if we're gen zers i think that's more of the older people like saying that about us and i think i don't know yeah i I think it is the loud ones that get most of the attention i think there's a lot of people in between that are misunderstood Mm -hmm. Um, that makes sense
1: to me um how would you then describe your generation? I mean, it's being described by old people for you in some ways, and that's based on like data Mm -hmm. and surveys and things that we think we know about you. But I mean, you are you, you live among you, your friends, presumably most of them are Gen Z. How would you describe your generation based on your circles?
0: I feel like we have a lot of people on both sides of the pool that are trying to just take charge Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, maybe there's a lot that goes into that such as just an increase in cost of living that doesn't help Um, the increase in, you know, being an entrepreneur, making your own way in a career, especially for women that's been uh, romanticized is that women should be able to work and be single their whole lives and not like that be a bad thing when I actually think it's the married life that should not be a bad thing, but it goes both ways. So I think that what we see though on both sides, whether you're like a woke activist or maybe more conservative is that people are just taking charge and Mm -hmm. uh, really just... Creating the life that they want, I right. think.
2: That's what I was gonna say. I think taking matters into our own hands is a way to identify as a group, which I don't know if that's for better or for worse. Right. Yes, yeah, but I think for a positive outlook, we are dreamers, and I think there's a lot more options for the future that we see. Maybe, maybe it is the media or just like being more exposed to more things. But I feel like, I guess I don't really have personal experience being. In a, di- a part of a different generation but I think we have the world is our oyster kind of mentality you know so
1: well I think that's fairly common I mean there's, there's there is this generational stereotype mm-hmm. that you know every generation is throwing off the chains of the generation before it, yeah, right and, 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 and every teenage generation is the rebels against their parents mm-hmm. who were <laughs> once teenagers all right? and yeah. I, there is that, that that we my generation we were kind of the grunge generation and we were rebelling against all sorts of things we thought as well and now we're the parents and so our kids are rebelling against us and there is something about like I just don't want to be my parents that is just a part of part of youth I think Mm -hmm. but you guys are also and and you mentioned this Bailey just kind of the way technology has affected you guys and one of the things that defines Gen Z is the fact that you are the first generation in American history and human history really to grow up with the internet as like a important part of your life and you guys have probably, you know, cell phones came out in 2007, iPhones came out in, in 2007, which was really the big change. Cell phones had been out for a while before that. I don't know what years you guys were born exactly, but <laughs> iPhones have been around most of your mm-hmm. lives. Do you think that is a defining characteristic of your generation?
2: Absolutely.
0: I think it's also just defines so much for us like it's completely changed the way relationships have developed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's changed the way expand
1: on that, the, the relationship part. Why do you say that they've changed the way relationships have gone? I think
0: that there's once again multifaceted answer to that could be provided but I think there's a the fact that some people will connect on social media before even meeting them in person and I think that there's this is that normal now? yes mm-hmm. definitely relationships. Normal. Yeah. So to begin online i mean even dating websites have morphed into being a website where you can just meet friends explicitly right. or even finding a roommate or college, business partners that online, yeah. everything that you want to find LinkedIn, and like yeah exactly work, like yeah. you can basically create any kind of relationship you want and i put you know air quotes on that because i i think that they're lacking significantly in authenticity and genuineness so that's like a problem in my mind, is that with the rise of technology, we've just normalized creating relationships via online, or even like right when you meet someone, you wanna get their social media, you know, and you stalk their Instagram, and you know so much about their past without ever having to talk to them about it. I think that's crazy, but it's so normalized. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've, I mean, I've, Think guilty of this myself. But. How does
1: that affect the way you guys form relationships? You think if you have the ability to like look back over the last two years of somebody's life before you've ever talked to them and find out who their dogs are, who their exes are, mm-hmm. all the places that they've been, and you've never had a conversation with
0: them? It's, it's always made me feel weird. Like if I ever know a lot about a person because of social media, I never know like, <laughs> like how to maybe engage in person like do I ask them this stuff even though I already know the answer mm-hmm. or do I find ways
2: to get them to say it you know a roundabout way mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe you have something yeah. to add no I agree with that and I think another part of that is comparison is inevitable like I think the whole ignorance is bliss phrase like that just doesn't apply to us because we aren't ignorant anymore like you could find out anything that you need to know about anyone or about anything
1: Related to that, then um, you know, because of all this information you had and Bailey, you just start talking about comparison, and I think that leads into another important data point about you guys is the mental health of Gen Z is not good, and I talked about this in in the lead up and. The survey says that 74% of Gen Zers report feeling overwhelmed or anxious, whatever that means, maybe even more significantly, 54%. So this is a majority of your generation reports feeling hopeless or depressed. Those are strong words. And more than 50% of your generation identifies with that. What do you think is going on there?
2: I think it goes back to what we were just talking about. Just media in general, everyone's posting the best of the best. Like you're only gonna post if you get a job promotion or if you enter a new relationship or if you do something fun. And so constantly like that societal ladder of success is in your face. Like it's not, it's no longer just a concept. It's like every single day you open your phone and you see it. And so I think basically what I just said, like I wanna just circle back to that because I do think it stems from comparison and we can't really escape it because we see it all the yeah. time.
1: Well, there's there's the old saying that comparison is the enemy of joy right. Right? because the you can always joy, find yeah. somebody who has it better than you, mm-hmm. and then it makes you f- feel un- unhappy. Now, Bailey, that's your answer. And that's frankly the answer that a lot of old people would give, yeah. they'd say, all of you young whippersnappers are depressed because you spend too much time on your phones. Yeah. That was basically your answer. Yeah. Do your peers agree with that? If I asked no. the average general Zer that question, would they give a similar answer?
2: Honestly, I think yes, like I've had a few different friends that have gone away on retreats or camps and have come back feeling so refreshed and just, okay, unplugged, like I feel so much better. And I can say that personally as well. I think we all know that, but just are unwilling to address the addiction that we have to the validation that we get online, I think.
0: I think a big problem that we have is that young people are almost always going to be searching for identity. Mm -hmm. And you know, as a believer, we find that in Christ and even Christians struggle with remembering that our identity is in Christ and every season of life we go through is meant to refine us better to who that is for His glory. But you know, especially if you don't have Christ, you, you see, like you said, Bailey, all the good stuff online. And if you're struggling, you know, behind the scenes in your own home then that good stuff is just magnified and it shines a spotlight on how bad you have it. And so I think that the concept of identity is also a problem because by mm-hmm. seeing what everyone else is up to, you know, that makes what you're going through either w- far worse or you want to just like maybe you think you have it better. Like point is is that when you see all this stuff online and that's what you're consumed by, it, it kind of starts to bleed into how you see yourself mm-hmm. in and like an identity sense. Right. Well,
1: yeah. it, that makes complete sense uh, you know, because this identity thing you know one of the reasons comparison comparison is the enemy of joy because it the the twin traps of comparison are pride and shame because mm-hmm. you can either look around at the world around you and say hey i am better than everybody else yeah. which of course makes you proud or you feel like i'm worse than everybody mm-hmm. else and then you feel shame and sarah you keep making this point and i think it's uh, worth restating that when your identity is in Christ you can't lose it right mm-hmm. and it doesn't come from comparison nobody thinks they're better than Jesus or at least they shouldn't and, and so when our identity is rooted there then that's that's something stable that transcends whatever our circumstances are mm-hmm. but when it comes a related point I think how depressed we are you are Gen Zers as a class you're also really irreligious talked about this that 34 percent of gen zers identify as religiously unaffiliated which is the highest of any generation is that connected to the whole loneliness depressed unhappy
0: thing definitely i mean even as a christian you can be lonely and depressed if you aren't focusing on earth or heavenly things and you're focusing on earthly things but like think about it if you're not even a believer at all and you don't have the sense of the gospel and this hope that transcends the peace that transcends all understanding and the hope that lasts eternity, then, I mean, yeah, definitely everything that, that we see on social media, even outside of social media, we have so much happening with LGBT right now that I think is severely affecting Gen Z. I can say from like the people I've interacted with starting back in middle school. Um, some of my earliest memories with, with that, but yeah, I definitely feel as though, um, Part of social media's problem is that it promotes, in my perspective, it promotes isolating yourself. Because part of that inauthenticity is that you can just like see what's happening in the world, create relationships on your phone without even having to leave your room. And depending on how that affects you mentally, it might not even make you want to go out and leave your room. And we also see people going out and leaving their rooms to hang out together just to sit on their phones and not even talk to each other. We're losing so much. Stuff that's happening in person that actually builds genuine relationships and genuine opinions and genuine um, skills on how to, like, interact with people because of this rise of media, which is just all leading to this, I'm going to isolate myself mentality. Do you
1: think, is that, I'm going to isolate myself mentality, is that conscious? Or is that, did that... Do people actually think I'm going to isolate myself, or is it just something that happens because it's easy to have relationships remotely, or it seems easy
0: to? I think, I think it could be both. I think maybe more more commonly it's subconscious, like it just kind of happens. You just get sucked in to this, especially if you're an unbeliever and you're finding your identity from this, that, and the other, and all these things that are vanity. You know, I think it can be very so like subconscious for them. Mm-hmm. But I think it could be both
1: closely related to that because, because of the the ease with which technology allows us to facilitate some sense of a relationship uh, from long distances over, over the internet um, is that one reason why young people are maybe becoming detached from religious institutions because you can have any kind of belief system Mm -hmm. and you can find a community online even if it's really obscure even if you live in an 800 person town in the middle of Kansas somewhere (laughs) and you nobody around you would share your obscure whether it's atheism or anything else you can find people online therefore it's easier to isolate yourself
2: Yeah, I think kind of going back to how we opened this conversation just about Gen Z in general and how we want to take matters into our own hands and make things like we have this independence behind us and want to create things for ourselves. I think that is bleeding into the religious sphere because we think that we can or some people think that they can create their own religion and like God and what is pleasing to them or what's acceptable. For, oh, okay. I want to agree with this part of scripture, but not that part. And that's okay yeah. because we're, we're moving away from the traditionalism. that's Right.
1: And, and that leads to a really important point. Cause some of the themes in, in the culture now, and I would say of Gen Z are living authentically. Mm-hmm. The truth is personal. That mm-hmm. That's good for you. Right. I'm so happy for you. You found your truth. Yeah, whatever I've works also for found you. my, yeah. Yeah. yes. So is, is that working Actively within young people, and as you just described, do they think they really can kind of invent their own religion and take the parts that they like of this and take the parts, and, which was syncretism is mm-hmm. the word we'd use yeah. to describe kind of meshing these different religious concepts. But is that happening like intentionally among Gen Zers?
2: I think so, yeah. I I had a class at school about world religion and we talked about, all the different religions and all the different things that people believed and I remember just hearing some discussions after like, oh, that sounds pretty appealing like from that one. I don't know. It just, it seemed like there's no effort to maintain all of the truth. It's just like, okay. Consistency? Yeah, there's no A coherent worldview. Yes, exactly. It's just kind of, eh. Okay, well, that sounds good. That works for me. That, if I believe this, then I can still do this over here in the corner and nobody, yeah. then that won't affect me. So yeah, I do think that it's happening it's definitely happening i mean
0: kind of in a humorous fashion i was scrolling on instagram not that long ago and i saw a video of what looked like somebody who could be gen z she looked young and she was having a debate with a theologian or a christian of some sort and she explicitly said like like i am my own god you can't tell me what i can do because i am my own god so that's probably an extreme example but it's also an example that it is happening
1: no i would say that's not an extreme. i'd I'd say she's just more honest about <laughs> it she,
0: yes she's more yes exactly well and i mean we're already seeing that with this whole my truth thing mm-hmm. like that's why this is so inconsistent because if it's my truth then my, my truth, truth is, is not different rel- than yours yeah it's not to yeah. relate to <laughs> you. your truth but everybody's trying so desperately quote unquote not to offend one another yeah. but i mean Even Christianity is now morphed into a lot of people's definition of just being a good person. But what even constitutes a good person? Because, like, from the LGBT standpoint, if you don't support that, then you can't be a good person because that's not loving. Mm -hmm. So, like, everything is subjective. I think that's the problem Mm -hmm. is that there's, like, no concrete truth and therefore it's all just ever-changing morphing mm-hmm. you know you have to listen to this person otherwise you're not loving or hateful yeah. or sensitive, so it's it's a plague it's honestly a plague and it's sad but mm-hmm. this is why the gospel is wonderful so
1: <laughs> well related to that and, and we're talking about kind of the the irreligiosity mm-hmm. of general Zers, but this idea of you know embracing syncretism whether they use that term or not but just kind of picking and choosing things that they like which can lead to a totally incoherent worldview but the high, high value for Gen Zers is personal truth, living authentically, you do you. Um, but the gossip, in what, what I have perceived from that is that value system really um, minimizes the value of change. And it's telling people, and sometimes this is actually on a bumper sticker, is born right the first time. <laughs> and and it, it elevates this idea that you're just fine just mm-hmm. the way you are you don't need to change and anyone who tells you that you need to change is a bigot mm-hmm. right they hate you mm-hmm. because they're trying to stop you from living authentically and then into that is supposed to come the gospel which begins with repent change. and yes. believe right? we're talking about that that's, today that's the foundation of the gospel is mm-hmm. you are broken apart from christ and you desperately need that. to change so is that theory correct is that worldview of authentic living and personal truth and doing whatever makes you feel good is that making your generation essentially allergic to the gospel because the gospel requires repentance and change
0: well yeah i mean not having a heart and a head for the lord and what we need to do which is repent and believe we're supposed to die to ourselves so we can be born again in christ i mean Galatians 2.20 is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's the thing is that the gospel is threatening to the unbeliever. That's why it starts with repentance, because we're so unbelievably aware of our sinful nature that it's just we're struck to the core. And so if you don't have that perspective, though, then, yeah, you're not going to like the gospel message. You're going to hate it, in fact, because you don't want to acknowledge that this threat is why I need to change you just see it as a threat that's attacking you because authenticity I think a lot of people wanna just be good on their own and don't want to have to change every area of their life just like some of them like we said the picking and choosing that's very common I mean even Thomas Jefferson was doing that with his Thomas Jefferson Bible getting rid of all the supernatural stuff so it's more believable you know we see that with even just certain aspects of life like right I think I don't know if this is off topic but even like women pastors right now that's a topic right now that people are saying that in this movement where women are becoming increasingly independent you know we have these people who are very sure that the bible advocates that women can be pastors but it's one of those things where we're not really picking and choosing because it's very pro-feminist like when in the sense of women are actually treated so much better than most people were during that time etc etc it's probably more i could say there but like doesn't change that one truth and it also doesn't diminish women in any way but like people are picking and choosing how they want to read stuff like that Mm
2: -hmm. yeah I agree with that well and I think I think the church has also fallen prey a little to uh, not all churches but just as a whole like to make it more fluffy the gospel Mm -hmm. and like what we want to hear and I don't think that I think that's highly Dangerous. How yes. have you
1: seen that? When you, are you, you seem to be implying that you think the church is responding to Gen Z by kind of, I think they're catering to our marketing, yeah. marketing it to a you do you, Feelings, truth is too. personal, yeah. live authentically. Well, I think. How do you see that happening?
2: I think a lot of messages that I've heard that have been most popular have been about everything's fine, like you're fine. What you were just saying, like you don't need to change. Like there's no condemnation, which is all true, and that yes like well there actually there is condemnation is before Christ <laughs> before Christ you're yeah. right but I think those are the hard hitting messages that like we need to hear that we don't and I think in general it's just become fluffier I
0: don't yeah. even well, know is, well, that in a better Z,
2: way is Gen yeah. Z
1: prepared for a
0: hard hitting gospel that I says mean, is God anybody, wants you is to yeah, is anybody I, I mean the Holy Spirit needs to be a part of that mm-hmm. because it's it's so hard to hear I mean mm-hmm. I was like I was trying to think of what I wanted to actually emphasize there. But I know even for me and part of my testimony is I knew of Jesus for my whole life. I had great Christian examples as parents and siblings. But it wasn't until high school that I actually understood what it meant to really want him more than myself. Mm -hmm. And so up until that point, I was still trying to define things according to who I was. And that was always just leading me down to a path of ruins because who I am is so broken and lost. And I don't know, like... How to deal with that when i'm still trying to see myself as this good person who could do things on their own but honestly only through the power of the holy spirit Mm -hmm. was i able to see just how peaceful it is to genuinely rest in christ's sovereignty and that was actually a point i was hoping to make is that i think bailey on what you're saying with like it becoming more fluffy like the nature of god i think has been diminished a lot in um more progressive movements and um the fact that yes jesus does love us i mean he died on the cross for us that's so you, there aren't words to describe the beauty of of Christ's sac- sacrifice for us, but I remember posting something about how God is a God that is sovereign and that, you know, demands obedience and reverence and respect and honor and glory. And I remember somebody responding to that and they were just like, uh, I mean, yeah, but like, you know, God is love. And it's like, yeah, I'm not... I'm not saying he's not loved, but that's kind of the point is that he's so much more than just loving. He's also almighty and powerful and does require us to be different for his sake.
1: That's an interesting response because it seems implicit in wherever you got that response from that those things are in conflict with God being loved right and, and and that's i think the perception is they we live in a culture that defines love as you just celebrate whatever my choices are mm-hmm. and and give me space to be whatever i want to be and mm-hmm. that's that's love so those other things can't be
0: yeah love
1: now given the challenges that we're kind of talking about what's your advice to pastors to the church i mean <laughs> how do we reach and we being you and me and the, you know all generations how does the church reach gen zers in a way that is true to that doesn't water down the gospel mm-hmm. but uh, reach it? i mean maybe that one way to ask this is what mistakes do you see being made by
0: the church to reach gen zers mm-hmm. i wish i had like one solid answer for all of that or even an anecdote i think just starting by focusing on the truth of the gospel as much as you can to just clear the air there um like who god is like one thing that i know is common among younger people as somebody who is a part of this generation is that when i was a kid like i don't remember ever getting really preached on the importance of the old testament And, like, God's character and how all of that leads to Jesus' fulfillment of the law. And that just makes his, like, sacrifice so much more grand and profound. But I don't really remember learning much about that. Um, So I think that affected the way maybe um, I dealt with uh, aspects of life because I wasn't viewing it from and encompassing, like, all of biblical theology-type perspective is more just like, oh, I'm focusing on Jesus loves me, but knowing the deeper meaning of why and how that's been played out, et cetera, et cetera, has helped me so much more in life and in understanding um, now, like, churches that I go to and hearing what they have to say. So I think, like, starting by just making sure your being is so clear, if possible, like, Lord willing, you're a gospel-preaching church and um, just really being clear on who God is and how that's led to the cross and, and, and the Holy Spirit and how he's working now, um, I think that can help a lot because I think that we have, like I think we've said here before today that there's just this watering down of something that is so unbelievably profound. Mm-hmm.
2: I think the, the answer is in direct response to like the question that you asked. I think the question you asked is the problem, like trying to make it catered to Gen Z. I think that's where mm. it gets foggy and where we don't, we, there we is misunderstandings because most people I know, and in my testimony, what Sarah just said, most people like, or a lot of people grow up in the faith, but only with this watered down version, like not really feeling the weight of their sin, not really understanding the truth of the gospel. And then eventually one day it hits them like the, the deep, it actually hits them, and then you repent and turn to the Lord. But that yeah. always happens later because I think there's this, like, bogginess at the beginning because the pastors or churches in general are just trying to make it what we want right. like, to hear instead of what we actually even. need to hear. And I think the gospel in general is it, it's the same. It, it always is the same. and It's right. always presented the same way. And I think once you start trying to get down on our level and, like, relate that's when it gets right. confusing. because if i can add to <laughs> that
0: like it's not our responsibility to soften the heart and heart only the holy spirit right. can do that and so i think by just Pastors especially need to just focus on preaching the truth and you not know. worry about who's. Yeah, because the the Holy Spirit's gonna work with what right. the the truth that's being proclaimed. But when you try to water it down and then like make it applicable to this young person, like I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm gonna say it anyways. Um, is that there <laughs> we'll was bleep it out if you can't <laughs> say it. So go, go for it. There was a sermon that I came across. Um, a friend was showing it to me, not because she agreed with it, but as an example of just how dangerous and almost blasphemous it can be to try and water it down and cater it to a certain group of people because you know with the rise of us youngins we have lingo that's been spreading and getting more and more weird but yeah yeah exactly (laughs) um but there was this pastor who was talking about christ and he was comparing him to like a stripper and how he was like stripping off all the sins of mankind and it's like wow our language has gotten so unbelievably disrespectful this Mm -hmm. is your way of trying to communicate with younger people Mm -hmm. that doesn't even communicate anything and that is certainly not glorifying to god and how am i supposed to actually understand like the truth of the gospel through that analogy when it's such a terrible analogy and also like how is that convicting to talk about the god the creator of the universe by the those terms right you're not going to speak to anybody that way
2: right and you said you you mentioned in conviction like i think that doesn't feel good and so uh, they don't want to yeah. make us feel that way but like yeah. that's what sp- that's what it does that's oh, what you do that yeah. saved my life that's how you, so yeah re- get saved so
1: <laughs> what do you think gen z can teach your parents and grandparents
2: mm-hmm.
0: good question uh, is it Joseph. A <laughs> I mean it's kind of funny you say that because I actually have a friend who's in her she's almost in her 70s and now that you asked that question we've had many conversations where she's just said in in the middle like you know Sarah I'm learning from you like I'm learning from you and I feel like that is an example of what you're asking um exactly what I'm teaching her I, I think for me what what stands out is that Gen Z who are bold in their faith and are actually living out the true gospel, I think that can teach a lot to, like, our parents that even though we're in this technologically advanced age where a lot of, like, our parents and grandparents especially, like, don't know what's happening, you know, that we, we there are glimpses of, of us who aren't corrupted by that um, and how you can go through a complete change in economy and society and culture but still preach this same truth um, and that God's going to preserve his word through all of it to those who he's called, you know, through the Holy Spirit and to be a part of the kingdom. I mean, one thing I love is that what's true, no matter what, is that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I think this is a good example of that because it seems so terrible right now with LGBT and everything that entails, as well as just like the rise of social media and authenticity. But god's still going to build his church even Mm -hmm. through that and there are plenty of gen z who can be an example of that
2: right yeah and i think we've harped a lot on on the negative effects of social media but i think what sarah was saying with those bold like gospel believing jesus preaching (laughs) christians that are gen z and that are out there we can reach so many more people than we ever have been able to before because of the media and so I think looking at it with that perspective too instead of just oh it's so bad like it's horrible like that's a perfect opportunity to share the gospel because you can post about it and in a click people can see it all over the world and so I think just having more open mind instead of just being so negative about the media or whatever else is going on just thinking about it in a positive light too like God is sovereign Mm. and he does work all things together for good even the rise of media even though it seems so so bad that's a
0: great point it's one of the only reasons why i haven't deleted my social media right, i same. love using it to share right. the gospel and the truth and things i learned at bible college mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah. so yeah it, it definitely can't be used for good
1: that's probably an entirely different episode to see i probably. mean because we we, ha- we live in an american context and so we think about things in an american sense and in some of the trends as we've discussed today are are not positive but globally the church is growing and expanding yeah. right. and a lot of it does have to do with the reach of technology mm. and the the ability to get the gospel other places mm. uh, so you know God is always at work and that's mm. the, where we can take hope in this but uh, you guys have given us some uh, good food for thought in terms of how to reach your generation and and I think you are not normal necessarily in all ways mm. but I mean that in a very good way mm-hmm. um, I don't sense like depression and I'm thankful for that Me
2: um, too. but also
1: <laughs> as you know as the father. Of four Gen Zers, I am. Uh, I'm just grateful to know that you know the church is very much alive in your generation, and uh, and you are their peers in some sense, though I don't think you've met them yet. But uh, you know the, the church is alive, and the gospel is being propag- uh, promulgated, and, and families are doing that, and uh, and he is not
2: threatened. Um,
1: but uh, really appreciate your time today, Bailey and Sarah. Thank you so much for being with us.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: And thank you to those of you who have been with us today. If you enjoyed this, if this benefited you, share it with a friend. Give us a review, a five-star review, of course, because those are the only ones that are allowed wherever you have found this. Uh, We look forward to seeing you next time. My name is Joseph Backholm, and this has been Outstanding. Outstanding is a production of The Washington Stand, where you can find news and commentary from a biblical worldview.